It's the Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by Ray White, the largest real estate and property group in Australasia. And welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Podcast, available on iHeartRadio and also Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast from. Welcome to the last day of the month. Yes, May the 31st of 2022. June tomorrow, then July, and then we're into August, and then the run-up to Christmas, and it'll happen probably about as fast as that. Quake, stop. That's scaring people. Yeah. Well, it's just a reality whichever way you look at it. So what you're saying is, people should start planning their Christmas holidays. Well, maybe not straight away, as in today, but people do like to book early. And I'll make this prediction. I bet someone listening to us this morning has decided to do exactly that, start booking early. Perhaps I'll be doing the podcast solo when you're on holiday. Amy, you've only been here a few days. Is my job in jeopardy? I did say some people find me intimidating. I didn't expect you'd be one of them. No, I'm not intimidated. What is coming up this morning? Maybe a little. Coming up, we are talking social housing. Rental costs have been out of reach for many families. We are going to talk to Hal Pawson next on the podcast. It's the main centre forecast with propertybuyer.com.au. And let's go to Sydney where it's going to be a windy day and cloudy conditions with 18 degrees as your forecast high. Melbourne expecting showers also windy with 11 degrees. Brisbane dry and windy with 21. And in Perth it should be a mainly dry day with a little bit of cloud cover and expect your high of 20 degrees. Enjoy your morning coffee. Wake up every morning to the Real Estate Podcast. Well, the numbers finally got to 76 for PM Anthony Albanese to form a majority Labor government. The ABC election computer is projecting that Labor will hold at least 76 seats, the minimum required to form a majority government. And it's been a long, long 10 days of counting. Remember, of course, we went to the polls on on the 21st and today is the 31st so 10 days of musing over what the final outcome would be and the shake-up continued yesterday with the new elected Liberal and National Party leaders in Peter Dutton and David Littleproud so it's been a while since we've seen so much clearing out of political figures and the task surely now has to be all about the economic growth for the next 18 months. Informing you on real estate. It's the Real Estate Podcast. Well, we're looking at social housing and just how much of a problem it's become. And joining me is Hal Pawson. He is a professor for housing research and policy at the University of New South Wales. Good morning, Hal. Great to have you on the podcast this morning. Yeah, thanks very much for the invitation. And we know that social housing is a bit of a dilemma, a bit of a problem. First, I'd like to ask you, though, your thoughts about the change of government and anything positive around policy signalling and whether you feel any change might happen as a result in that space. Sure. Well, I mean, just maybe just to get to get the terminology clear or kind of get on the same wavelength as everybody else. When we're speaking about social housing, or at least when I'm speaking about it, I'm talking about public housing and community housing. 
As to the change of government, yeah, I do think that it is significant because the federal government that we've had for the last nine years has really not been interested in social housing. It's fair to say that delivery of social housing uh, is a state and territory government. It matter. So the federal government doesn't own any or, or, or run it directly. But federal governments um, have a choice as to whether they get involved in social housing at all or, you know, they do anything proactive with, with states and territories. And the one we've had for the last nine years has chosen not to do that. Um, it's clear from the election platform that Labour came to the election with that Labour doesn't intend to follow that. Labour does intend to get back in the game there. And it specifically what they're talking about is a, an investment programme for social and affordable housing um, totaling about $10 billion over six years. And that um, is supposedly going to generate 30,000 new additional social and affordable housing units over that time. And what could a landlord be thinking about in the whole rental market? You know, we've got good landlords, we've got bad landlords and sort of a a whole lot of a mixture of landlords in between. So what can they be doing to assist the housing crisis, do you think? Well, um, I mean, there, there is there is obviously sort of some social responsibility that comes with being a landlord, whether you are a private individual or a company or, or indeed a you know not-for-profit provider. There's a certain amount of regulation that goes around that. But yeah, what would um, what would a private landlord, uh, an individual, well, what could they do that's you know uh, voluntarily on on their part? <laughs> yeah, you're right. There are good landlords and bad landlords, and. Um, the conditions in the market are providing an opportunity for landlords to raise the rent at the moment. And indeed, you know, many have been doing that over the last six, nine, 12 months at least. Significantly at rates which are much greater than we've seen in the last, well, any time since 2008, actually. On average across the country, we've been seeing, looking at rent increases of around about 8% um, annually. Well, that's far above the, the norm for you know the historical, the last 10 years or so. A two or three percent would be normal. And looking at rental affordability, most in the rental market will say, what affordability? COVID has been instrumental in making many, many Australians more wealthy through their property portfolios than anyone could have predicted. But of course, at the other end, COVID has also made it dire for those in need, hasn't it? Well, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, the COVID experience of the last two years has had a much bigger and quite different impact on the housing system than we, I think, anybody or very, very few people expected. The two years since um, COVID broke in Australia, I mean, that has really seen a a kind of convulsion in the housing market that very few people expected. And that's really true in both the house sales market and the rental market. The rental market, I think, is is the part of it, the private rental market is the part of it that's most directly relevant to the stress on the social housing system because rising rents that we've seen at rates that you know haven't been recorded in Australia for well over a decade have already pushed a lot of people, um, low-income renters, towards, well, more insecurity and, you know, the risk that they really can't keep up those payments and, you know, they might face having to hand in their keys or... Or, you know, landlords actually removing tenants who are falling into unacceptable arrears. And I think, Amy, you've got a question. Thanks, Craig. What overseas models, if any, could we be taking inspiration from? Or is it something more localised we should be focused on? 
Yeah, that's a very good question. There certainly are other countries which do social housing and which do housing in general better than Australia, in my opinion. For many commentators, analysts in the field in Australia, many of them look towards particularly the German-speaking countries, Switzerland, Germany, Austria. They all have more stable housing systems, less volatile housing systems than we do. Austria in particular, a very large and also very well-managed social housing sector, more than a quarter of the whole housing stock. It's huge by Australian standards, you know, five times or more bigger than Australia's equivalent. So those three countries are some of those that are often held up. Another country which has recently been mentioned quite a lot more as a, an example um, that we perhaps should be looking at is Singapore. And that's more because the state has a much bigger role in the housing system in, in Singapore than in, than in Australia and in most other countries. And so the state is a major developer and owner of land and developer of housing than in most other countries. And it's developing, the state um, Singapore government develops housing mostly for sale to homeowners. So it's not, it's not, it's kind of just, it's a bit different to our public housing system, but it does enable housing to be developed and um, sold to first home buyers um, at a sort of non-profit price. So it has an affordability benefit or an there's an affordability argument that is part of the reason why people are starting to, I think, talk more about the Singapore model. Very, very different from Australia, but maybe there's something we can learn from that. Well, there's certainly plenty of things that you have mentioned there to think about for sure. And thank you so much for coming on to the Real Estate Podcast. I know we'll have to get you back at another time to discuss more of this. Hal, thank you. Thanks. I'd be very happy to come on again. We connect you to the best real estate information across Australia. The Real Estate Podcast.